Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. These familiar words of the gospel, a teaching that we've heard many times, a teaching that we've perhaps pondered and perhaps even tried to put into practice, sometimes successfully, other times failing to do so, is one that is a kind of bottomless well of potential for conversion and deeper meditation in our lives. It's one that we have to return to again and again. Because everything in us goes against what the Lord is calling us to in this gospel reading today, to love our enemies. Nothing seems more sensible than the lex talionis to pay for an injury with an injury. Of course, many homilists have explained the wisdom, the beauty of this teaching, how desirable it is for it to be put into practice individually and communally. And it would be hard for me to add to any of that. I think some of the most important things to remember in this call, of course, is always that our Lord is not demanding that we simply allow injustice to wash over the world or that we're somehow called to simply passively allow evil to dominate whether that's against ourselves personally or against those we care about or have been entrusted to our responsibility. No, neither of those is true. What the Lord is calling us to do is not to confirm our enemies in their status as our enemies. When I respond to an injustice or to an act of violence with another act of violence, what I do is confirm that person in their mistaken identity as my enemy. By responding to them not with hatred but with love, I invite them into a new kind of relationship with myself. And whether this is on a dramatic public scale or whether it's on those little aggressions and little acts of frustration that tend to pile up and create resentment in our lives, what we're called to do is to respond with not another act of aggression but an act of love. Our opening prayer today makes a connection as to why we have some of the stories that we do in the scriptures. Meditating on the Lord and his, on his command allows us to carry that out more effectively. We've seen the story of King David, a dramatic example of what Jesus is talking about in the gospel, something that anticipates this teaching. David, of course, we know, has been chosen by God as the true king of Israel after Saul rendered himself unfit for the job by disobeying the Lord's command. Saul is withdrawn, and David is given the promised sort of uh, anointing. That is, you, you, you are the one who are, going, who are going to take over as this, the next king of Israel. However, Saul retained his power as king. He had a, a retinue and, and the loyalty of his generals in the army. So David wasn't in a position to just assume the throne. But neither was David in a position to do battle against Saul. You see, the reason he gives for not allowing his partner who snuck into the, tent, or to the camp at night to, to kill King Saul, who's persecuting David for no reason other than that uh, people gave him a... a 
a line in a poem, a line in a song that seemed to exalt David a little more than Saul, right? a case of jealousy. Saul conceives a hatred in his heart for David and goes on campaign to eliminate him. And David's now in a position to eliminate his path to the throne, and he refuses it. In an act of mercy, he refuses to respond to this unjust persecution with an unjust murder. And the reason that he gives is that what, what business do I have attacking the Lord's anointed? In order to be the king, you had to be anointed by his prophet, be designated as the one that God has chosen. David has received that anointing, but so has Saul. So what sense would it make for one of the anointed to slay the other anointed? Wouldn't that sort of contradict the very thing that David is claiming gives him the authority to be king? The beauty of this is that if we take this story in its particulars and read it through the lens of the New Testament, of the New Covenant, all of us are the anointed. Every single baptized person is anointed in the way that David is anointed as a priest, prophet, and king at their baptism. And what's more, each of us, we could say, is anointed with the very blood of Jesus, having received this gift of his, of his own divine life in this sacrament. So what sense would it make for one anointed to attack or to inflict injustice or to respond with hatred to another of the anointed? What sense would that make? What assertion of my own dignity can be based on the denigration of the dignity of another fellow anointed? And lest we think that this only needs to apply to the cases of those who were baptized, every single human person is created in the image and likeness of God, bears that dignity within them. These stories from the Old Testament, we see the power of, of how this can imprint itself deeply on the imagination. The Lord's teaching, a kind of abstraction here, at least as it's presented, he, he doesn't leave it as an abstraction, by the way. He, he lives it out by his cross, praying for those who are nailing him to that cross in the act of, of, of them doing it and begging the Father to be merciful to them. But this abstract teaching has a, a, a more dramatic and concrete form in the story of King David. This isn't the only time David refuses to take advantage of his, of his opportunity either. These things are impressed upon our imagination, upon our memory. As the saying goes, you've got to see it to be it. We have to reflect and allow these examples of mercy, of the love which responds to curses and attacks with more love, in order for that to begin to take root in our own lives. I think one of the most important things about this, especially on the small and hidden level, is that this is an invitation often to be transformed, more deeply conformed to the image of Jesus. To act more authentically out of our identity as a beloved son or daughter of God, as an adopted son or daughter and an heir in that household. And I want to just read to you a meditation that I came across in the Magnificat earlier this week from St. Isaac the Syrian about what happens to us as we carry these crosses and bear them. He says, 
The road that leads to God is the cross of each day. No one has ever risen to heaven without effort. We know where the pleasant road leads. God never takes away all cares from the one who consecrates himself to him with his whole heart. Instead, he gives him care for the truth. On the other hand, with this, we know that God awaits such a person. And he leads him to himself through affliction. Providence does not allow those whose lives are passing through trials to fall into the hands of the devil. Above all, if this person kisses the feet of his brothers, if he covers up their faults and hides them as if they were his own, this one walks the path of virtue. But whoever wishes to walk the path of virtue, but wants to do so without anxiety, without care, has already stepped off the path. For the just do not only strive with all of their will to do good works, but also strive through facing temptation. And in this way, their patience is proven. Many opportunities for sanctification await us in this call to love our enemies. We neglect them, and in so doing, we neglect our growth in holiness. We neglect our sanctification, and we perpetuate the laws of violence that seem to reign unchallenged in our day. In the end, Jesus doesn't give us this teaching like a coach standing on the sidelines, demanding ever more sort of refined or explosive performance, right? Run faster, jump higher, work harder. He does encourage us to do those things. He does challenge us. But it's not simply as an external source of challenge or correction. He gives us, in the sacraments, the power to do what he commands. When I receive those sacraments in faith, Holy Communion, confession, anointing, the sacraments of our vocation. When we receive those sacraments, we are given the capacity to live this life, to put these teachings into practice, and to give glory to God by the ways in which we allow his sanctifying will to take root in us and to overcome this, this law that goes so unchallenged in our day. And so, as we reflect today, perhaps it's a good opportunity to call to mind, where am I being invited? Where have I, where have I ignored this invitation to be sanctified by loving my enemy in however small a way? And ask him, not only that he inspire us, but give us the strength to do so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.